0: This week on Silicon Reel, Anastasia Emanuel indiegogo
1: i'm finding uh, innovations and amazing products out in the tech sphere and helping them raise finance i 100 percent believe in what we what indiegogo is trying to achieve i genuinely think it's transforming the finance industry if you're going out to raise money through indiegogo or another crowdfunding platform just for the money you're going to do it wrong you have to be savvy when it comes to marketing and outreach and getting people excited about your product from the beginning what indiegogo does is make you smarter faster
0: silicon reel presents anastasia emmanuel indiegogo
1: world should decide what ideas come to life not a handful of people who, who can sign a check
0: in london technology is the silicon roundabout introducing a new talk show dedicated to the people of the london technology startup scene silicon real each week interviewing entrepreneurs venture capitalists financial technology accelerators and incubators in an exciting three-person format learn about the people behind the innovation locally filmed locally sourced silicon real it's about the people this is Silicon Reel, the weekly talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. My guest today is Anastasia Emanuel, who leads Indiegogo's hardware, design, and technology for the UK, uh, where you encourage uh, crowdfunding growth. Uh, you've got uh, a big platform. Nine million people visit you guys every month, globally? Fifteen. Fifteen. Jesus. Yeah. That's an old wiki. <laughs> um, it's huge. You guys did some big Series B rounds th- uh, this year with uh, Branson involved, some PayPal mafia. We're going to get all into that. You are also the tech presenter for The Week in Tech, which is a very well-produced weekly news video from Tech City News. We all watch it here. Uh, people watch it around the world. It's got like three news stories and an app. Um, so we want to hear more about that. Um, Anastasia, you are a real face of the London technology scene. So thanks so much for being here and welcome to Silicon Real.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's amazing to be here. I don't know which camera to look at, so hi.
0: Yeah, just look at me. Look okay. at me. Look at me. So <laughs> we, we, we got to hear, and I was telling you in the kitchen, I got to hear about the Tech City News gig because there's not many people have two, have two, you know, m- to have two major jobs and two major hats. You know, I know from being in a slightly different kind of media how much hard work goes behind the scenes of making any video, uh, let alone one that's edited and short and you're on different locations and everything. So I was wondering if you could tell us, how did you get the gig? And what's it like? uh, What does it take on a weekly basis to get that video out?
1: So kind of a year and a half onwards, it's now a lot more streamlined. So it kind of covers everything from uh, investments to a global story a gadget type you know if there's been a big product that's been launched um and then we cover an app like you mentioned our download of the week and then there's kind of a crazy story which is usually something like somebody attached a rocket to a bike or something of such nature okay
0: (laughs) every week you make one of these
1: yeah, so we film on a Thursday, uh, and then we rush back to the Tech City News Studio, edit it really quickly, and it goes out at 7 a.m. on Friday morning.
0: And so you shoot one day Thursday, half a day?
1: It's now, actually, we've got it down to about an hour, and an hour, between an hour and an hour and a half.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so I write my stories on Wednesday night, uh, I check that nothing's changed on Thursday morning, and then I meet a cameraman at location, uh, and we just knock it out. So it's pretty quick.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay, I thought that would be a lot more involved. Is there a producer that gets the ideas? That's you. I, well,
1: so okay. it's kind of then why do you those... just put
0: presenter on your LinkedIn? It should be like presenter, producer, director, writer. I
1: mean, we're all startup. You kind of chip in and do everything. You know, the, the cameraman is also the... He's, he's, I guess, producing it as well. Like, he'll tell me to stand in different positions. Uh, and he's the editor. It's Alex Wood with the vision. It's kind of, it's one of those like team efforts. Everyone just chips in and and I know what I'm doing and I know what works. So, um, so yeah, I've learned a lot as well.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I don't think you're ever just in studio. You're always somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, generally, so this week, um, I couldn't make it, so Alex Wood, who's the editor, he fronted uh, this morning, it's Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. go on Texas News, you'll see his face. Okay. Uh, so he did it in the studio today, okay. um, because they wanted to do some green screen work. But it completely varies. You know, if you have a, a place that you think would be awesome to film, then, then get in touch.
0: How many days out of your week do you think you spend on that? Is it like one day or a half a day of it's, your billable hours?
1: Um, I mean, you never do billable hours when it's this kind of a thing. Um, but it's, it's pretty quick now because, I mean, the news is moving all the time, but it's a, it's a rap show. So it's rounding up the news rather than breaking. Right. So it's not like I have to be there when a story breaks and there's a huge investment or an acquisition. Um, I look at the news on Wednesday night and I see, you know, which big UK tech companies have got investment or been acquired. Um, and then which things do I think that our audience will, be, will find inter- Interesting. Okay. From a product perspective or whatever. Um, So all of that, I mean, I guess writing and researching the stories probably takes me a couple of hours on a Wednesday night. Um, And then, again, filming is like an hour and a half.
0: Wow, that's down to a science. What's the best moment and worst moment of Tech City News? Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, I think the worst and the best moment is probably the same. So, uh, last year, actually it's coming around again, so I'm getting hives. So <laughs> last year around Christmas, uh, Alex had this amazing idea to send me to Canary Wharf, to the ice rink. And he was like, yeah, we're going to send you to this really cool location. It's like right in Canary Wharf. Have you been?
0: Yeah. I haven't been to the one on Canary Wharf. No, no, no. It's really oh, great. Okay.
1: So he's like, you're going to go and you're going to present we can tech whilst uh, ice skating, and for anyone that doesn't know, I have zero hand-eye coordination. I find it quite difficult to walk in a straight line when I'm talking. So the idea I believe of like you. I ice... just met
0: you, but I believe you. See, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so like I had to ice skate, which I cannot do. Whilst also, like, speaking to the camera, okay, right. it was pretty horrendous. There okay. was, I mean, the, the outtakes video was, um, I think, our, one of our most viewed videos.
0: Have you ever, you know, thought, Alex, I got to give this up, I got to go on, will this go on for a long time, or what, you know, is this just something that you do now? I
1: just really, I love it, you know, I mean, I think the the crossover between my two hats is, is huge, you know, I'm leading technology, I'm finding uh, innovations and amazing products out in the tech sphere and helping them raise finance finance and then on tech city news i you know i'm, I'm keeping at the a cutting edge of what's happening in the tech scene so I, I need to know that for my other job um and i need to be very much entrenched in the scene i think you know if you speak to anyone in the uk tech scene it's it's growing but it's small enough that everyone has a touch point with somebody you know it's like not six degrees of separation it's like half yeah. a degree yeah so um aside from the fact that it actually really helps to you know be a voice of tech and know what's going on and 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 be kind of aware of the innovation that's happening. Um, I just love it. I think it's really fun. I mean, you must love it. You do I do it love it. And that's one thing that, that
0: struck me about this scene, because when we started doing the show about a year and a half ago, I was just amazed. And I used to make this joke that I, I was meeting people that actually enjoyed their jobs. And it ah. was just a shocking, you know, yeah. idea. And everyone is just so cooperative, so helpful in this scene. And something else I, I noticed the other day I was telling someone at lunch is that there hasn't been the big, big exits that you've seen in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So there's no hierarchy either. So you don't have the PayPal mafia and this mafia and you don't have this guy in the billion. Everyone's kind of relatively in a similar club of still trying to get there, still trying to get there. So it's, I don't know, it's a real team effort. And I don't think it's going to be like that in three years. I think we're at a really special time right now.
1: There's such a lack of competitiveness versus other industries. And you're right. I think it's because of that lack of hierarchy. But then I think if you look at it from the flip side, because there haven't been those huge, huge acquisitions and those huge exits, I think that's why we're in a different finance position. Like, there isn't as much money here. Like, you know, you look across the pond and the PayPal mafia and, um, you know, the big IPOs, they've, got, they've gone, they've made their money and they've invested back in the ecosystem. Right. And that's why there's more VC money flying around. That's more why there's more angel money. I think, like, you know, the question of, oh, why are we so behind and, like, our investment scene is so different versus Silicon Valley, I don't necessarily think it's... it's um, a problem I just think we're at a different stage Okay. I think if you fought forward, fast forward five years when the moshi monsters of the world and you know Just Eat IPO those start happening I think you'll start seeing that money coming back in and then but pe- I hope it doesn't make people And then
0: people mean. will stop to be nice right? No <laughs>
1: that's not good.
0: It's funny because there's a, this. we're in London and there's a huge industries in London like media, politics, uh, real estate and you meet someone from the non-tech industry and like getting an email intro like they want a finder sphere or something and you're like that's not how we do it in tech yeah. we hook each other up. So, uh, yeah. it's a stark contrast, you know, when you see those two worlds, let's talk about financing. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about Indiegogo. When you went to work for them over a year ago, right? Year, mm-hmm. w- about
1: a year and a month ago.
0: Wh- why, why go work for a crowdfunding platform? Uh, was it something you, you, you went to seek out? Was it something that when you went in, uh, you had a certain idea about and when you got there, it was something completely different. Why? You could have done anything.
1: You <laughs> can't do anything thanks that 's amazing um, so why there was a, so the, the way I fell into it was somewhat serendipity, uh, somewhat huge passion. Um, I thought I knew a lot about the industry I knew nothing um, and the why comes down to the fact that I 100% believe in what we, what Indiegogo is trying to achieve, and as a person, I'm very passionate. I'm very all or nothing. Um, you know, if I believe in something, I will work crazy hours. I will do anything, um, and I'll convince anyone about it. And when I heard Danae and the founders' story and and what Indiegogo stands for and the fact that it was trying to democratize access to capital, it just made sense because you know you know in my past. The the previous year I'd been trying to raise finance for a startup myself, Uh, all of my friends were either trying to raise seed money or trying to get their idea off the ground And, and the sole factor that connected us all was that we were, we just couldn't do it. It was so tough to raise finance. Um, And that's the problem that Indigo is trying to solve. And it's not something, you know, that can be solved overnight. But at least it's, you know, I I genuinely think it's transforming the finance industry. So that's, I guess, the why.
0: Okay, and that's the passion you, you, t- you bring to it because you see that it's really changing people's lives and futures. Even though it's an equity, it's a crowdfunding, it's not an equity, it's a crowdfunding piece as opposed to, say, VC money, which you were looking for like a year or two ago. Is, does that change the equation differently? Does it bring a different energy? I know it must bring a different energy of investors that just want to see success as opposed to returns. What is that whole gap between, say, an equity crowdfunding and a crowdfunding model or a VC model and a crowdfunding? You're on the inside now. What is, is there a difference
1: I think there's a difference, but I think people are scared that You know, one's going to cut out the other. So the VCs and the angels are worried that crowdfunding is just going to erase the industry, and it's 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 just not going to happen. I think what's happening is that you know we're starting to see all of these different models work together, and everyone has more information. And what I mean by that is that you know a, a small company or a small person with an idea that's trying that's very early stage, and they're trying to get their idea off the ground. What they need at that point is market validation. They need to get their idea out there, and they need to get feedback on whether whether it's good, whether it's bad, what they should change. And they're not going to get that from a bank. They're not going to get it from an investor. And so we've seen, you know, over time that actually a lot of people are coming to Indiegogo to prove that, to prove the market validation, to get their their real-time feedback from a huge amount of people. And then they go on to raise further funding. Um, And so I think the way that the model is changing and, and the as the market matures, we're going to start seeing even more people who are raising money through Indiegogo because of other things aside from money. Even today, you know, we have VC-backed companies. Like, a really good example is um, Misfit Shine. Actually, I'm not wearing it. Have you, have you seen it? No, it's a, a no. fitness tracker. So, it's like this big. It's this beautiful, beautifully designed fitness tracker. So, kind of like the night fuel band or anything else right. that tracks your activity. And very, very clever um, founder, Sonny Vu based in Silicon Valley, and he came to Indiegogo at the end of last year and ran a campaign. Now, he'd already raised a $7.4 million VC round, so he clearly didn't need money. Right. Right. What he wanted was that he poured his heart and soul, and his team had worked so hard on creating this product that they wanted to know that when they launched it to market, that they were giving something to their customers that they wanted. And so, through his Indiegogo campaign, he got a crazy amount of market feedback. He found out he walked the price point up from forty dollars, which is what he started selling them at up to um, about $75. So he created his RRP price of $99. He figured out people were willing to pay $50 more for a black version. Uh, He got funders from over 85 countries. So he created a really strong international strategy right from the start. And now he still sells more outside of the US than inside. So all of this feedback that he got um, he wouldn't have got, had he just launched straight to market, which he could have done because he had the money in the bank.
0: Right. And that's, that's the question. What is crowdfunding? Is it marketing? Is it like customer acquisition or product, you know, delineation, or is it financing or is there some other, is there some other adjective I'm not throwing in there? No,
1: I mean, you know, when people ask me what, what crowdfunding is or why would I crowdfund? The last thing I say is money. The first thing I say is, you know, Market validation, finding and building your community, getting real-time feedback from a large group of people, creating evangelists, capturing data against your customers, and then raising money. Okay. Because it's all of those things first. And I, th- I genuinely think if, you, if you're going out to raise money through Indiegogo or, or another crowdfunding platform just for the money, you're going to do it wrong.
0: Okay. How's the market changed in a year that you've been there or even, or, or even two years? Has it got, I don't know, more intelligent? Has it got overdone on certain hardware products and has it pulled back a bit? Have people gotten burned and, like, I never got my product delivered two years later? Like, is the market learning and what are we learning?
1: The market's definitely learning. So, I mean, you look at crowdfunding in the U.S. and it is a more mature market. So um, people, are, people are kind of approaching crowdfunding in, in a different type of way. So things like Misfit or you have um, huge billion dollar companies like Marvell, running their products through indiegogo in the uk it's growing really fast so it's our third largest market and even in the last year uh, for me in hardware i've just seen a huge rise and that's you know a huge rise in the number of people wanting to crowdfund but also the way that they're going about it um you know they're a lot smarter they understand the process i think in the uk because it's still quite a new industry people still think it's free money they're like, okay. oh, it's amazing. I can't get a bank loan. I'll just put my idea on Indiegogo. Okay. Okay. I'll go get a glass of wine and then millions of dollars are going to come. And then maybe I'll get
0: around in. to making a product. Or Yeah.
1: Okay. And it's, you know, it's not like that. There's a huge amount of preparation that goes into it. Um, you have to be savvy when it comes to marketing and outreach and getting people excited about your product from the beginning. So like the first 30% of any campaign will, on any platform will come from your own network.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: It's not, you know, the strangers out there who are going to go and fund it. And the reason is because those strangers, the crowd, still need to see that that product or that idea has been validated first before they feel kind of, you know, trusting enough and excited enough to get involved.
0: Okay. What are um, some of, uh, is there liability when it comes to crowdfunding? Like if you take the hundred grand in, like do you have to do something with it or is there any kind of liability for people?
1: I mean, there's there's always an element of risk in everything, you know, even equity funding. Um, when you look at the crowdfunding model, so we have two types of, of funding. So flexible is where you keep all of the money that you raise, mm-hmm. and fixed funding is where if you don't hit your goal, then all of the money goes back. And we've created these two different types of funding models because it fits different, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Right. If you have a product and your minimum order quantity is going to cost... $200,000, then you need $200,000 because one will not be able to, you won't be able to buy the tooling.
0: That's usually a complex hardware product.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and therefore, you should go for fixed funding. However, if you're doing it for market validation, like Misfit was, or if you're doing it um, because you want get to get your product out there and get feedback, or you want to do it for a marketing kind of effort, and there's another form of finance, you know, like you have some money in the bank or you're, you have a potential seed funder, then flexible funding is the way to go. And with a lot of projects, um, I think, you know, knowing exactly how much money you need is tough, particularly kind of outside the hardware space. You know, everyone wants the million dollars or the pounds, but it's actually crowdfunding works in exactly the same way as every other type of finance. You know, you raise a small amount of capital, you prove what you say, said that you're going to do, and then you go back and get some more.
0: Okay. Three tips that you would give people if they're going to come on Indiegogo for the first time, what would you tell them?
1: If you have hardware, talk to me. Um, <laughs> that doesn't count as one of my tips. So the first one would be prepare. So do a lot of research. We have created a crazy amount of resources that should basically tell you how to run your campaign. So, you know, when you're looking at your campaign page, you have a video, you have your perks, you have your pitch. It's very simple things like your video. You definitely should have a video. You'll raise 115% more if you have a video than if you don't. Uh, keep it short. You have to be on the video. It needs to feel very open and transparent. People are investing in people.
0: They want to hear stories. Yeah. They,
1: they yeah. You know, I mean, there's four main reasons. I'm diverting. But there's four. Um, four main reasons why people fund like the motivations of why people fund first one is people so they know you they're your friends they're your family Second one is passion. So I love film, you love film, you're a filmmaker, I'm going to fund you. The third one is participation, which is the idea that people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. So you have a nine-to-five job and you have three kids, but you really wish you could do more for Parkinson's research.
0: Or make a film or something.
1: Yeah. Or yeah, you wanted to be a rock star and your dad made you become an accountant. That's not my story. Um, And then the last one is the perk. I was
0: about to say, is it going to start with a P? It has to.
1: It's the four Ps
0: of crowdfunding. (laughs) What's a perk?
1: Uh, A perk is something that you're giving in exchange for the contribution. So it can be something physical as in a product so you get the fitness tracker or you get the Raspberry Pi laptop it's a recent campaign Um, or it could be an experience so it could be you get to be on set of this film, so like an amazing example of a film perk was um, an Australian guy was raising money for to hire this amazing zombie makeup artist, and what he did was he, was he said, for two hundred dollars you can I'll make you up as a zombie, so you'll be a zombie in my movie, and for a thousand dollars I will kill you in this zombie movie. Oh, that's cool! And it sold out. Yeah. So you think about that and you're like, so he got six, he sold six of those thousand and then loads of the, I think 60 of the 200. So people were paying him to be in his movie. Normally you pay extras. So not only does it flip the finance model, but it actually gets people really involved and really excited. So that's a really good example of an experience that you're giving to someone in exchange for some funds.
0: Okay. Are there certain things you won't fund as a company? certain projects
1: unless it's illegal no
0: okay will you will you do like medical research or new you'll do that okay so
1: indiegogo is a completely open platform
0: okay which makes you different than the big bad wolf of kickstarter right we might as well talk about them um i guess you compete with them um do do they do things different than you can you both exist in the ecosystem in the long run what's your take on them
1: Absolutely, more people can exist in the ecosystem. There's nine. There's over nine hundred platforms. I
0: know. I used to see them on the, tube, in the world now. On the tube, and I was like, "You guys are a little late." Um, I used to see tons of them, but those. But there you, is. You, there's nine hundred. You two are the only two that I hear regularly.
1: So Indiegogo is, is quite different in terms of a platform okay. uh, to quite a lot out there. So the first one, first big difference is the funding model. So I said the flexible versus fixed. Okay. Um, we're an open platform. So we were founded to try and democratize access to capital to try and get rid of the gatekeeper. So it makes no sense for us to tell you whether your idea is good enough or not. We've okay. seen time and time again that, you know, a small group of people are wrong. They're right. just wrong. Like, like the right, zombies.
0: Like the zombies. Like the zombies. Right. Like okay.
1: right now there is the campaign... You can have a look at it. It's called Accent Cat Headphones. They're these headphones um, that have cat ears, and you can flip them, and they they have speakers. Okay. And so you look at them. I remember looking at them and thinking, huh, I don't think I would buy those. I'm not really sure who would. And uh, then you look at them now and they're still funding. They've raised over $2.8 million from over 17,000 people. And it, and it actually makes me love my job more because I didn't think it was, I thought it was kind of a crazy idea. Right. I was like, I will never wear them. You know, right. I'm not ashamed to say. But I'm not right because I'm not representative of the world. And that's why Indigo exists. Because the world should decide what ideas come to life, not a handful of people who, who can sign a checkbook. Right.
0: That's why the startup industry as a whole exists because people are exactly. saying that they don't believe that you're doing it right. Okay, so you, you, do, you open to anything. Uh, Kickstarter has limits on what they do. You can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, We're
1: completely uh, open. So, completely open. you know, we don't have a submission process, so you could launch a London Real... Indiegogo campaign right now. Um, We also don't curate, so we have a merits-based platform. Again, because we want to try and democratize and level the playing field. So we don't decide what sits on our homepage. It's all based on our GoGo Factor, which is a proprietary algorithm that measures the success on your campaign. It's not dissimilar to the Google PageRank. So depending on how hard you're working... I.e., you know, how much traction, how much traffic are you writing back to people, are people commenting, all of these types of things, not just funds raised, that all goes into your go-go factor, and the higher that is, the more you, um, you go up our trending pages, and that's what everyone wants, you know, they want to be on the homepage where there's 15 million monthly uniques.
0: Right, right. Did someone make mashed potatoes? Was that an Indiegogo campaign? That was
1: another platform.
0: Oh, okay, sorry. Okay. But
1: we've, okay. Had, we've had our fair but, share of,
0: but that of did well, crazy right? campaigns. that did well, right? Yeah. They raised six figures for the mashed potatoes? I think, Or potato yeah. salad, potato salad, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, look that up. Um, let's talk about equity crowdfunding really quickly. We had a year ago um, Jeff Lynn from Cedars in here. Yeah. Um, they've had some pretty good success in a year. One of my former guests, uh, uh, James Dawson from Humble Grape, raised about a half million pounds on there, and we've seen equity crowdfunding get some legs in, in the UK. I mean, I think it's still not, not allowed in the US, I think. Yeah. Um, is this something you guys are going to be getting into? What's your read on it? Are they two separate markets in your opinion? Will we see an Indiegogo equity side at some point?
1: So funnily enough, uh, Danae Ringelman, our founder, initially wanted to try and democratize capital, so equity capital, um, but it was illegal because <laughs> right. the Jobs Act hadn't been passed. And even now, the third phase of the Jobs Act hasn't been passed, so it's not legal. Okay, um, so in, the in the U.S.? In the U.S., right. area, okay. yeah. Right. And we're a U.S.-based company. Yeah. And so that's why they created this rewards-based, perks-based system. And that's why it exists, because you know, we were the first ever crowdfunding platform. We were founded in 2008 when the word crowdfunding didn't exist. Um, So they were like, we have to work around this, and they created this system where you get something in exchange for something. Saying that, obviously, as, as the first and the world's largest crowdfunding platform, we've been very instrumental in the equity debate and the talk of it in the US. So in 2011, we were invited down to the White House, And our founders have been talking very closely to the administration about equity crowdfunding and and the possibilities. And um, the White House actually used a lot of our Indiegogo campaigners as proof that, you know, this model does exist and that these ideas, all of these... Amazing innovations that are now alive in the world creating jobs wouldn't have come to pass had it not been for Indiegogo and crowdfunding. So, when you're
0: going to the White House, I'm thinking it's 10 years. (laughs) When I'm thinking you're visiting the White House, I'm thinking you're waiting 10 years for anything to happen. That's what goes through my brain. (laughs) (laughs) They're
1: they're moving pretty fast. I mean, I don't know when when the third phase of the Jobs Act is. But since you're an American
0: company, you're kind of restricted in that sense.
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you do, why don't I do equity crowdfunding for Indiegogo? I'm in the UK, but yeah, not only are we a US company, but our perks-based uh, business is growing so fast that we really want to focus on it and, you know, put all of our efforts into that. Saying that, it's not that we won't ever look at equity crowdfunding, um, but right now our, our efforts are very much focused on, on perks.
0: Okay. Yeah. The securities laws in the States are pretty tight. You know, we had that you know, we had that de- depression and the crash and all the other. Yeah. And so they're really tight about that. So I think it's going to be a, a while longer, but that's just one man's opinion. Um, talk to me about <laughs> the Yanks. You work for an American company. Yeah. What does that feel like? It must feel different. I'm sure you've been out to, the headquarters in the valley and I'm sure it's managed in a different way I, I you worked for UK companies before what's it like
1: I've always had a link across the pond so the video production company I was I was working at before uh, the founder moved over to Silicon Valley and we would always kind of go hop there and backwards and we launched the company out there um so I think I've always had a bit of a tie, and I like the way that Americans do business in that, like, there's no BS. That like, they just get on with stuff. They're bullshy. Sometimes, you know, they're like too arrogant and too obnoxious. Um, but then Brits are too apologetic. Um, you know, I, I always use the analogy of you look at a pitching competition in England and in America, and the American guy stands up and he's like. This is, this is the most disruptive, hyperlocal technology you're ever going to see. It's the Uber for X. It's right. going to get acquired in, for this yeah. many millions. Yeah, think look, Uber.
0: Think yeah, Uber. think right. Uber, but whatever. Right. That
1: analogy's never been made. Right. Um, and then you look at the English guy, and he kind of comes on, and he's like, oh, well, you know, we've been working on this idea for a while, and, I mean, it's, you know, it's going pretty well. We've, you know, we've got, like, five million users, but, I mean, I don't know how many of those will convert into paying users. And it's like they're right. apologizing continually. Right. For for, like, our,
0: for our audio listeners, she's holding her glass and looking in her glass. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, and so I like the way that they're you know they they're very get up and go they're very bossy and um, we have you know an amazing managerial system so um, our headquarters are in San Francisco I go out there every sort of six months I was just there in October every three months actually we have a uh, something called all hands which is where we all get together from across the world and we brainstorm and we you know bond and drink beer and do like activities and that kind of thing and. See how we're going to become the world's funding engine um, and, it's, and it's amazing to see you know, everyone from across the world you know, I, I have people um, that are doing my job in Canada Israel Germany Australia so how many employees uh, there's around about, there's over a hundred. Okay. Um, yeah. So the main office is San Francisco. Then we have New York and LA and then people on the ground. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I actually love working for an American co- company apart from, you know, obviously at 7 PM they wake up. <laughs> so then you start your day again. That's the only slight downside.
0: So you're getting emails late at night.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much work like 24 seven, but okay. I love it.
0: People say that's the plus of the American company. They pitch big, they go big, they go big. What's the plus of the British culture and mentality just what is it
1: there's so much we're we're so talented you know we're being unassuming is actually a good thing if you can channel it in the right way right um,
0: teamwork uh, in different ways
1: yeah Definitely. Um, I think the amount of talent, um, you know, from a a kind of tech side, um, from our strong engineering, from our amazing universities, and also what I've always loved about London is this kind of intersection of all these different industries. I mean, you touched on it. You know, within five minutes, you have the banking sector, the the, um, fashion sector, the tech sector, media, and so you get these amazing cross-collaborations, and that's why I think we're really strong in industry, Mm. because... Everyone's so close to each other, um, and so I think the the strengths that we have is being able to you know in you look at the US and fashion's in New York but techs in Silicon Valley it's like they're separated by coast.
0: Yeah, banking, um, banking as well. Yeah, different,
1: exactly. Different so you know I think being British helps. Also, you know pitching over in the US like they actually love British people. It's great. I get away with a lot more in America than I do here. Oh yeah. Um, and so you can be charming and if you're smart and you're and you have a great idea, then investors across the pond will listen to you. I think we just need to get a little bit more ballsy.
0: Okay, well said, well said. Um, I am guilty of something here uh, on a regular basis, and it's it's because of my local focus. My other show is called London Real. This is Silicon Real, and I started off by saying it's dedicated to the people of the London technology scene. And there's a lot of other tech in this country. This is the United Kingdom. It's big. There's you know 80 million plus people in all the different places. Um, And uh, I I I should be thinking of that more. Cambridge is a huge hub. You recently took a huge tour of the UK, ten different cities. And you went up and talked to all these people in all these places and we have big love for everyone up in Birmingham and Leeds and Manchester and Newcastle and all that. So what did you, what did you discover? Why'd you make the trip? Or did you just want to film yourself in (laughs) different, in different cities? Uh,
1: no, that was fun, but no, um, So, yeah, so the the, the nationwide tour was called Go Crowdfund Britain. And the reason for it was, so I'm a northerner. I'm from Leeds. Okay. And, you know, I I sit in London and I, I see all this amazing innovation. We're distributing millions every single week on Indiegogo. And I look at the scene and, you know, even not just with our platform, across the whole industry, most of these ideas are coming from London. They're London centric, okay. like everything.
0: Okay. But you um, you see everything from your control panel or do you have like a god view like Uber does? Yeah, like can, looking like, down. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> All right so you see it's very London
1: centric driven. and okay. it made me ask the question why because being from up north I know that it's not for a lack of you know innovation and creativity and talent like if you look at some of the best inventions in Britain they've come outside London and so it kind of annoyed me that you know this isn't happening why is crowdfunding not coming to these cities and also if you look at capital because London is the epicenter of finance there is more money here you know a lot of VCs work out of London there's more angel networks Um, And so these ideas across the country actually have less access to capital. Therefore, they need other alternatives even more. So um, I decided to get in a car and drive with a cameraman um, to 10 cities and to try and spread the word of crowdfunding and hold these masterclasses in each city and meet with 26 journalists to try and get them to spread the word. Um, And the challenge was to try and raise a million pounds from outside of London, from ideas, like big and small, you know, they could have been creative films or they could be products, they could be amazing causes. Um, And that was in July. And so far we've raised about nine hundred fifty thousand pounds.
0: Wow. Congratulations.
1: Thanks. Was there any
0: was there any non-obvious takeaway where you got there and it was just like, oh, wow, this is the way it is. And it's not what I was expecting.
1: I mean, I think I thought I knew quite a lot about the northern scene because I'm from there right. um, but I've been away for a really long time and actually going to each city and talking to people from you know, the local area and the influences within that scene um, I got to learn a lot more like I had no idea that Bristol was really strong at Internet of Things and they had a really big robotics lab and there was a huge amount of activity going on there um, Birmingham's really big for gaming Manchester obviously has a huge creative element but then tech they're forging forward and you know, they want to be the top, one of the top five European cities. And we've, you know, even just purely Manchester and Leeds, um, there's two campaigns that have raised over $250,000 from there. So the technology is there. I think, um, the cities outside of London just aren't as good at commercializing it.
0: Okay. So then you you do the master classes. you teach them how to sell and get involved. And then the cat, the pool of capital is, is in the web. So it, it can go anywhere. It just wants to go to the best idea.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the other point was that there's this myth that you have to jump across the pond to get funding in in London. You know, you have to go to the valley and get raise investment. And that's the only way that you're going to get your company off the ground. And even in Britain, people think that if you if you're serious about your business, you have to come to London to get funding. And one of my points was that you don't you know, in your living room through a laptop, you have an access to the whole world.
0: Can you tell who's funding, like the companies, what, what, I mean, say they're funding them in pounds. Can you tell that money's coming from America or Asia or Europe? And
1: yeah. So a lot of the UK campaigns will list in dollars just because they have a very global product oh. and the dollar is seen as the most, um, recognizable currency. So I have a couple of campaigns right now and they're raising $200,000 plus. Um, but they're, you know Leeds based and Manchester based and London based so on our back end we have a very strong campaign dashboard and that provides the campaign owner with a lot of analytics And based on that, they can make a lot of smart marketing decisions because they can see where their funds are coming from, like you say, different countries. They can see um, which URLs are referring the most traffic, which people are referring. They can see when funds are coming in. Uh, So if they get covered in a big TechCrunch blog, then they can see that it converted into $11,000.
0: Wow, that's fascinating to see. Um, What's the future of crowdfunding? Is it all going to be about the data? Is it going to be about the analytics? I mean, if you think of yourself... I really need to solve X, Y, and Z in the next two years to bring a better product to market. What are those things?
1: I think that what Indiegogo does is make you smarter faster. So another potentially negative thing about Britain is that we're scared of failing. And Americans love it. They, like, see it as a badge of <laughs> honor. They love but failing. like, I failed five startups. I actually heard, um, I heard Eric Schmidt say that at the, Google they liked to hire people that have failed because of the mantra that you learn more from when you fail than when you actually succeed, which is kind of true because if you fail, you look at every tiny thing. I know I've done it and you're trying to analyze what went wrong.
0: It's kind of true. Although that maybe has been overdone. I think someone from some of the VCs were like, but we do want you to win. (laughs) We
1: still need return.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You you do have a point and that's in Britain airs on that side.
1: Yeah. And so I think what crowdfunding is doing is, is is kind of lowering that barrier to of fear, so you can actually fail very fast. It's like the lean startup methodology. You know, in thirty-five days, you realize that you need to go back to the drawing board and tweak what you have. It might be that your idea isn't, you know, your your idea not, might not be rubbish, but something's wrong because it's not resonating with the crowd. And so, I think what we're going to see in the future is. Um, Everything from really large companies to still, you know, a man or a woman with an idea using Indiegogo to get that data and get that insights and, you know, change, learn, iterate, and then get their idea out there faster.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful way to get feedback. And, you know, you can go for market tests and you go for focus groups, but nothing talks like putting your money where your mouth oh, no. is. And the right. crowd,
1: they will tell you, like whether right. you want it or not, they will tell you whether your idea is rubbish.
0: Right. Just like the market will tell you what the price is. Exactly. Okay, good. Um, I have a, a great op- opportunity here because uh, you are a woman and you are in tech. You're also under 30. So that, it's an interesting data point for me. And we've actually had a lot of female guests here on Silicon Real. And I was first asking some of them when they came on, like, let's talk about women in tech, and then I'm like that's just really silly just to talk about that and then I asked a couple of them what's the question that we should be asking about women in tech i suppose just talking about it and talking about the imbalance and being like la 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 like what should we really be asking or what should we be asking ourselves or what do you what do you think when people talk to you about that
1: Uh, It's really funny. There's a a lot of kind of talk about this at the moment. And I recently just went to a, a women in tech supper, which is something that I don't typically do. I don't kind of go to a lot of women in tech functions or... Why not? Because I don't think it's it's helping the situation. I think that you can't solve a problem by only talking to half of the population. Like the other half need to be involved in the conversation, like the men, because we're not going to solve it on our own, bitching and, you know, like sitting in a room talking about how we're subjugated and we're not earning enough, etc., etc. I think there's definitely um, a benefit to having a support group. And I have strong women in tech who, you know, founded companies and raised 6 million and done amazing things. Um, and it's amazing to have them and to feel connected to them in a way that potentially I can't with with male founders, et cetera. but i I think the conversation gets too siloed into this women in tech, like why you know why are we not equal, and how can we change it? And I think it needs to be more about just equalizing everything and looking at the bigger picture and figuring out childcare and the big issues around why we think that it that it's not equal. Um, and as a woman in tech, you know, People ask me, what are the advantages or what are the disadvantages? And, you know, there's an element of I walk into a room and I'm one of like a handful of women. Um, what is
0: it? One out of 10? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like it is well, if you're like looking that, at pure it? hardware, so I, I do a lot of hardware events and conferences. I'm always on hardware panels and I'll be like one woman and you know, on the right. panel it will be like 10 and th- there's that thing where you walk up on stage and people think you're the MC. Okay. <laughs> That's really fun.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm guessing you roll through that. You're yeah, okay I do.
1: That? I'm like, no, okay. no, I am actually the speaker. <laughs> okay. um, so there's, you know, and I'm a very petite woman and you know, some people think I look quite young. So that, again, that, that all doesn't help right. okay. in, in terms, of your authority but i think also if you're smart and you know what you're talking about then people immediately switch on and i think the benefit for me is that a i can walk up to anybody in any room and they're more likely to remember me because purely because i'm a woman um and b i get a lot of opportunities to talk so on a hardware panel or on stage um In those kind of situations, maybe people are looking for the woman. You know, people have actually said to me, we want a woman on the panel. And that annoys me um, because they shouldn't want me because I'm a woman. They should want me because I'm a voice of whatever.
0: Right. But you still go. You embrace it to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, because you, I mean... I don't think it would do, do me well to, um, to knock those opportunities away because if you just look at it as an opportunity, it's still a way for me to get my voice out there and to get Indiegogo's message out there. And at the end of the day, I think if, any, if you're smart, then people will still listen to you.
0: Okay. What was the tone of the women in tech dinner? Or what, what kind of things were discussed? Or There was Chatham House Rules,
1: so I actually can't talk about it.
0: Oh. Man.
1: But it was, I mean, it was talking about these issues. You know, what can we, how do people feel? Um, you know, what can we do to improve the situation? Is there things that we can help? Can we encourage more women to get into technology? That's the positive side of it. You know, um, can we get more women into engineering? Can we tell women that actually it's, it's, a, it's an amazing industry to be in and not have this kind of snot of if you can't code, you're not really a woman in tech.
0: Right. We had, like, Sandy Carter from IBM here, or someone that said that the the percentage of of women coding or girls coding was going down, and I was like, what are you talking about? I thought it was going up, and, like, I don't know. It's not necessarily... I mean, it seems to be going the right way, but not necessarily as
1: fast. I mean, things never happen as fast as people want them to. I think that there's... I think we're going in the right direction. I think there's several structural changes and certain... um, things that need to happen at a corporate level and an education level um, so that there's going to be a major change. But people are trying which, you know, I, like, it's very easy to be cynical. Brits are very cynical. Um, but I think sometimes you have to look at the positive. And, you know, like on Indiegogo, we, we've seen amazing female projects. And um, again, it's one of the reasons that I love the company is because it's leveling the playing field for everybody. So if you look at the amount of VC money that goes into um, female-led startups, in the US it's 15%. Here it's even less. And of all successful Indiegogo campaigns, 47% are led by women.
0: So, the, and the crowd, that's a crowd talking again. So. Exactly. So, yeah. Well,
1: people are investing in the ideas and also the crowd is much more representative of society.
0: Right. Because they're not the VCs with the track record of investing in Who happen in to be men. And no men. Of a certain kind of
1: age, of a certain background, who right. want to invest in things that are safe, that, you know, that they're used to and they're familiar with.
0: Okay. Let me ask you a question about us Brits, because I am British, by the way. I have a British passport. Your
1: accent sounds a little little dodgy. You
0: know, whatever. That was the old <laughs> days. That was the old days. But um, do we work hard enough in Britain? I mean, you work for an American company. I'm sure you get their opinion all the time. Do we? In general? In the tech industry. Like, do you think the Americans are like, ah, damn, they're, they're left the office again, those guys, in Indiegogo London. Or do you think know, it, in, it, the it, in the tech? Yeah, I know. You're, never, you're in the office now. Do you think in the tech industry here we don't work hard enough or not?
1: I can only really talk about my experience, so the people that are around me, and they work really hard. Um um so if you've always looked at kind of a European versus American mentality for work ethic, yeah. it is different. Yeah. You know, Americans have no holiday. Yeah. Like it, it's like, there's no legal like holiday. You don't actually it's, have to give people holiday. It's
0: That's like, crazy. it's more, it's worse. It's like an ostracization. You can't say that you're on holiday because that would imply that you're not always working. That's and then insane. Americans judge you. It's really, it's really That's shocking. Crazy. I know. That's why I love Um,
1: see, you know, I think that, um, Working all the time is bad. I am completely guilty of it. I work crazy hours, you know, every night, every weekend. My boyfriend hates me. Um, I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad daughter. And, you know, it's because I genuinely believe that I'm trying to change something and I'm really passionate about it and I want to do it. And so, you know, out of my character, I'm very all or nothing. Maybe that's why I work well at an American company. Yeah. Um, But equally, I see the negative in that, you know, I'm burning out and I can't give... Everything to you know some parts of my job, and I'm neglecting other parts of my life. And I think that balance is important. I think that people get really, um, really judging over people who go home and spend time with their families and focus on love or focus on you know enjoyment and hobbies. And actually. Danae spoke about this recently and she said about how it's, you know, so important to put some time for those parts of your life and it will actually make you a better business person. So I think that we do work hard enough. I think that um there's always a balance. If you're working for yourself, you're always gonna work ten times harder because it's your you have so much skin in the game, like you know, pre-remortgaged your house or whatever. Um, And so you're going to be working a lot harder than, say, a corporate person who can go home at 5 p.m.
0: Yeah, there's a term in technology called technology debt or management debt. And it's this whole concept that if you like squeeze a company, you know, like Indiegogo with like a short staff, that you're going to end up paying for it later. Or if you squeeze them with tech, you're going to end up paying for it later. And I think it's definitely true in your personal life. If you don't have that balance, you cannot redline it for that long because you're going to blow up or your relationship's going to blow up and then you're going to hang yourself. Well, I I won't get into that. But wow, yeah. it just got, <laughs> I just got dark. I can go there quick. Um, Anastasia, we always ask everyone here a few questions at the end Unask Ask You, um, and I won't adjust the, the years at all, but if you can make a phone call to the 20-year-old Anastasia, I guess you're still at Leeds, maybe not, I don't know, and give her a bit of advice, what would you tell that young lady?
1: I would say...
0: We're, we're professionals here.
1: <laughs> um, be fearless. Don't second-guess yourself. This is something that happens as a woman a lot, and I've discussed it with other women.
0: Is this the lean-in kind of Sheryl Sandberg thing? Yeah. Okay.
1: Like, women second-guess everything that they do. You know, if you're offered a job or you're asked to do something, unless you're very sure that you, you can do it, you don't want to do it. A man will see an opportunity. They won't even spend 10 seconds figuring out whether they can do it. They just say yes. And I think, and I've learned over the last few years, that that's actually the approach to take. Like you know, if, as long as you're smart, you can figure out anything. Um, and so I would say to my 20 year old self, be fearless, just go for it. Jump right in. Um, always aim higher than what you think you can achieve because you're better than you probably think you are. Um, and never underestimate relationships. Mm. So my entire career has come from relationships I've never been to an interview, I've never applied for a job, hmm. I probably would never get employed by a corporate company um, and it's been completely down to the relationships i built and it happened very naturally back then, you know, it's the whole helping each other, being part of an industry um, but back then I didn't know what was happening hmm. and now at 29 I've, I have an amazing career, amazing network um, and so I, would, I place even more value on that network.
0: Good, good, good advice. What is the best advice you have received, business or personal?
1: Um, It's actually not advice I received, so I've heard it third party. Um, But it was actually Danae, our founder, her father gave her this advice. And when she said it, it really resonated. So her father said... um, That the world will continually say no because it's scared of change and it will continually push back. And it's your job as an entrepreneur to keep saying yes and to keep pushing back because the world doesn't like change. Mm. It likes to stay the same.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. Even the people around you that love you uh, will actually resist you changing sometimes. And I've yeah. felt it when I went to, the, to do these shows. I, had, I left banking and I had all my banking guys calling me up and like, Brian, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm the one that's unemployed. Why are you worrying about it? And like everyone was worried about what I was changing yeah. in. So it's kind of strange. And you're right, there is that resistance. You
1: have to trust your gut. Like That's another piece of advice. Trust your instinct. Because you're probably right. And if you're not happy doing what you're doing, you won't be very good at it.
0: Right. And your subconscious is telling you lots of things on an instinctual level that you don't always can, you can't always figure Precess. out like, cognitively. Yeah. So last part of that question, you know, to the 20-year-old that's listening around the world that, you know, that dreams of being you, that dreams of coming to <laughs> London and, and, and uh, having your position at Indiegogo or, you know, at Tech City News. Like, what advice do you give them if they want to be involved, get involved in tech community? What do you tell them?
1: Just do it. It's really not that hard to get involved in a tech scene or in an an industry, particularly the startup scene. You know, there are meetups every single night. uh, And the people that are there, they just want to grab a beer and talk and they will help you. So just get yourself out there. Stop being scared or at least, you know, fake it till you make it. That's probably actually the best piece of advice I've ever got given. (laughs) I'm still doing it. Um, You sound
0: like an American without the accent here.
1: I know. (laughs) (laughs) But another really good piece of advice actually I just heard is that when you realize that everyone else in the room like is also faking it and doesn't know what they're doing, that's when you'll be able to like conquer the world because everyone's in the same boat. Um so I would say to any 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds out there who are scared of doing it, you know, the same way that I I wanted to get into presenting and I had no idea how, I just jumped into it. I picked up a microphone, I started working with newspaper, I had no idea about technology. um, I just got in front of the camera and did it and figured it out along the way. So I would say meet as many people as you can try and find mentors, you know, not through an official mentor program, but find people that you respect, that you look up to who you want to be in six months and who you want to be in five years and ask them advice, like listen to what they're saying to you. And just like put yourself completely and 100% out there.
0: Well, well said. I'm going to put one caveat on that is that I agree you need to take action and you need to stop reading a book about it. You need to stop watching a podcast about it and you need to stop researching it and Googling it. You need to actually do it. And I find a lot of times I get emails from people saying, I want to know what camera you use for the podcast. I'm just like, that isn't, it's, it's actually a procrastination in disguise when you ask someone a question. It seems like you're researching it, but yeah. I know it's a form of procrastination. says that, right?
1: Just do oh, it. He
0: says, just do it. I think
1: he swears in it, but we won't say oh, that. Okay. You know, you just told people to stop watching your podcast, didn't you?
0: Did I? Yeah, you were like, oh. you oh, know, yeah. stop, stop watching, watching podcasts, okay. just do it. I'm going to fall on that sword. <laughs> if It'll get some action out there. That's awesome. Um, Anastasia, this has been even better than I thought it would be. Um, what's the best way for people to contact you? Email, Twitter, are you guys hiring? All the usual stuff.
1: Uh, so if you have an idea that you want to get out there in, within hardware and tech and design, even if it's something else I can send you to the right place. Email me at Anastasia at Indiegogo.com. I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. Yeah. At Mini Anastasia because i'm very small Um, you are small i
0: thought you'd be much taller
1: oh this is what you know that's the one thing that that people always say when they meet me they're like the camera makes you look so tall and you're like such a tiny tiny person yeah i know that's why i do camera work right (laughs) um but please get in touch with me i am generally very open to sharing my thoughts or giving you help and if i can help you in any way i probably will um so please reach out and i i do love coffee so
0: yeah, I know. She just had some bulletproof coffee. We'll, we'll it was
1: amazing. It. There
0: you go. 100% success rate Not on that. Not to
1: endorse that product, but it
0: was amazing. <laughs> um, thank, fantastic. Thank you so much. If you're listening to us on iTunes, you can see uh, the extremely good-looking Anastasia, and I'm looking pretty good, too, on our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, uh, what else can I say? We're putting out uh, one-minute trailers now on Friday at 2 p.m. so you can watch the latest guest and then go out and you know, talk rubbish about them when you're having drinks. So we're doing that, and then we drop our audios on Mondays, our full episodes on Tuesdays, and, of course, we have the live shows on Friday Afternoon. So uh, check that out. We're on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Anastasia, you are a true asset to the London technology community. You're a great face. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it was so great to have you. Thank we you. say on Silicon Real, it's about the people. Need I say more? Uh, <laughs> I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you very much, Ben. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Thank you very much. I'm <laughs> off to eat a turkey, all right? <laughs> Take care. This week on Silicon Reel. Matt Berry, freelancer.com.
1: The GDP of of freelancer is actually larger than some nation states. This is like an eBay for jobs. We have a population that just overtook Sweden and Norway. This is really an aspirational brand in the developing world. It's just an amazing company to run in terms of, you know, what we're actually doing in the world. We empower entrepreneurs on two sides of the world. All the pain, the time, the hassle, and the cost of turning your ideas and inspiration into reality we take that away. The cost is about 10 to 20% of what you'd normally expect to pay. We've been cash flow positive in this business ever since it began. We had about $300 million of interest in a $15 million IPO. The business is flying. Every single industry is waking up somewhat disruptively to discover it's now dominated by a software business. Every job that you can think of, particularly white collar jobs, is heading to software. We are in the very, very, very early stages of replicating the first country in software.
0: On Monday, Silicon Reel presents Matt Berry freelancer.com
1: We're just trying to be in every job, every country, every language, every currency.